0: Okay. Test seems to be working. This is going to be Directive 2, Section 4, Chemical Agents and Intermediate Weapons Regulations. Definitions. Conducted Energy Weapon, hereafter referred to as TASER, with an S. An Intermediate Weapon weapon Not Intended to Replace Firearms or Self-Defense Techniques. The taser is designed to temporarily immobilize a violent or potentially violent subject. When applied correctly, the taser generates an electrical current that disrupts the neuromuscular and sensory nervous system incapacitating the subject. Close quarter probe deployment. A method in which the user deploys the taser on a subject in probe mode, then places the taser at another position on the subject's body as distant as possible from the initial contact point and rocks the taser forward and backward. DRIVE STUN, a function in which the taser is held directly against the subject's body, causing localized pain, but does not override the subject's motor responses. DRIVE STUN Policy Statements Following the use of force with chemical irritants or in an intermediate weapon, if a subject experiences a serious injury or is in medical distress, sworn personnel shall render aid as appropriate and as follows. 1. Notify Communications Bureau personnel. 2. Summon EMS and ensure that the dispatcher acknowledges the request. And 3. Render medical aid consistent with training and available equipment as soon as it is safe to do so. Refer to Section 2C23 for rendering aid following taser use. Chemical Irritants. Sworn personnel shall carry only those chemical irritants that have been authorized by the Chief of Police. CS gas, commonly referred to as tear gas, is prohibited for use to disperse crowds. CS gas may be deployed by SWAT personnel during barricade situations. Sworn personnel shall not carry chemical spray until training and qualification standards have been satisfied. Sworn personnel shall demonstrate proficiency with chemical spray once each calendar year. Sworn personnel may use chemical spray to protect themselves or another person from harm, to affect the arrest of or gain control of a physically aggressive slash resistive subject, to prevent escape, or to prevent or stop the commission of a criminal offense. <clears throat> Sworn personnel should not use chemical spray on handcuffed subjects unless they pose a danger to themselves, officers, or the public. Supervisors investigating incidents in which chemical spray has been used against a handcuffed person shall comply with the applicable procedures detailed in the supervisor's manual and the use of force directive. The use of a chemical irritant deployed by a 37mm or 40mm gas gun or a chemical irritant grenade being thrown or rolled requires the approval of a lieutenant or higher authority. A SWAT lieutenant may designate a lower-ranking SWAT officer to give such an order, except in crowd control situations. A sergeant acting as a zone lieutenant should not give such approval. Sworn personnel shall not use their division-issued chemical spray to disperse a congregation of individuals unless the congregation is engaging in aggressive or violent actions towards officers or others. Prior to deployment of the chemical spray on or against an aggressive or violent crowd, at least three notifications should be made when possible to the participants in the crowd advising them that they are committing a violation of law and are to disperse and the chemical spray will be used if they fail to comply with the order. Failure to leave a street or to move by itself shall not justify the use of chemical spray against a non-aggressive, non-violent crowd the notifications should be made in a manner which the participants in the crowd should reasonably be able to hear and understand the notifications and subsequent deployment of chemical spray in crowd control situations should be audio slash video recorded when possible. Swarm personnel may use chemical irritants to clear a congregation of people from a controlled access highway or to prevent a congregation of people from entering a controlled access highway. Uh, Swarm personnel encountering a group of people, some of whom are engaged in unlawful conduct, shall be guided by the use of force directive when determining whether to use chemical spray. If chemical spray is used, it should be directed at the persons participating in the violent conduct, not at the group in general. The encounter should be audio-slash-video recorded when possible. Swarm personnel deploying a chemical irritant shall make a reasonable effort to decontaminate exposed persons once the situation is under control decontamination may include exposure to fresh air, flushing the eyes with fresh water, or seeking medical attention. Intermediate weapons. Sworn personnel shall carry only those intermediate weapons authorized by the chief of police. The approved intermediate weapons are a flashlight not to exceed 15 inches in length, the issued tactical baton, the approved taser, Sworn personnel shall not carry an intermediate weapon until training and qualification standards for that weapon have been satisfied. Sworn personnel shall requalify once each calendar year with each intermediate weapon they are authorized to carry. Sworn personnel may use an intermediate weapon to protect themselves or another person from harm, to effect the arrest of or gain control of a physically aggressive slash resistant subject, or to prevent or stop the commission of a criminal offense. Sworn personnel should not use an intermediate weapon on handcuffed subjects unless they pose a danger to themselves, officers, or the public. Intermediate weapons are not a substitute for deadly force. Um, it is recommended that Swarm personnel have an approved intermediate weapon and a restraint device available when in possession of a firearm while off-duty. Uh, sworn personnel shall complete a use of force report, Form u 10128 when an intermediate weapon is used on subject. Sworn personnel shall complete the personal advanced taser agreement, Form j 10112 and obtain approval from the DTU prior to carrying a personally owned taser. Personally owned tasers may be carried while working regular duty, special duty, or off duty as an intermediate weapon. Division owned tasers that are not personally assigned shall only be used for regular duty. Uh, Sworn personnel shall not target the head, face, neck, or groin with the taser in probe mode. Sworn personnel should not intentionally target the chest area above the sternum when deploying the taser in probe mode when possible. Sworn personnel may target the neck or groin with the taser in drive-stun mode. May target the neck or groin in drive-stun mode. Sworn personnel should consider training and following... Oh, swarm personnel should should consider training and the following when determining whether to use the taser. The subject's age, weight, obvious physical disabilities, subjects who are in a position where a fall may cause substantial injury or death, and whether the subject is exhibiting signs or symptoms of mental illness. Swarm personnel should not use the taser in drive-stun mode for pain compliance if it is likely to be ineffective due to intoxication or to signs or symptoms of mental illness. Swarm personnel should not use the taser on small children, infirm or elderly individuals, obviously pregnant females, or subjects who are in control of a motor vehicle. Swarm personnel shall not deploy the taser on subjects known to have come in contact with flammable or with flammables or in environments where flammables are obviously present. Swarm personnel shall not use the taser on a fleeing subject who committed a minor misdemeanor as a primary offense, unless the subject is posing an articulable threat to the officer or to another citizen. Uh, Failure to comply and or, yes, this says note, failure to comply and or obstructing official business violations arising solely from the act of fleeing from a minor misdemeanor are not justification for using the taser. So you gotta have an arrestable offense as the primary offense sworn personnel shall properly store the taser when it is not in use once the taser is issued sworn personnel shall not leave the taser unattended sworn personnel shall not change or modify the taser sworn personnel shall contact a dtu supervisor for replacement of any taser that is not safe or functioning properly only a dtu supervisor shall repair the taser or accessories sworn personnel shall not remove the digital power magazine from the taser unit Once the DPM readout reaches 20% or less, personnel should have the DPM replaced. The the DPM shall only be replaced by a DTU supervisor. TASER UNINTENTIONAL DISCHARGES Sworn personnel shall notify an on-duty supervisor and record the incident on the TASER log sheet form S-70113. If a subject is struck, sworn personnel shall complete a use of force report and follow the applicable procedures outlined in the use of force directive. If no subject is struck, sworn personnel shall ensure that the probes and cartridges are destroyed. Uh, The supervisor shall conduct an administrative investigation when an incident occurs at a location other than a police facility or at a police facility when a suspect or arrestee is present. Taser deployment. Swarm personnel choosing to deploy a taser shall confirm that the weapon selected is a taser and not a firearm. Only cartridges marked 25 feet or XP shall be used in the taser. When feasible, sworn personnel should communicate to the subject that the taser is going to, de- going to be deployed to attempt to gain compliance. This can be communicated to the subject by removing the air cartridge, displaying the laser on the subject, and sparking the taser. Even. Okay, so putting the laser on the subject counts as communicating that too. When the taser is displayed or sparked for compliance, sworn personnel shall document these actions as outlined in the use of force directive. If possible, personnel should give the loud verbal command TASER 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 prior to firing the taser. Swarm personnel may use the taser in the drive stun mode to gain control of suspects displaying active resistance. The drive stun mode shall not be used with a live air cartridge in place. Swarm personnel should attempt to control and handcuff the subject under power during the window of opportunity the taser cycle provides. Swarm personnel should consider moving on to another force option, if unable to control and handcuff under power. Taser Post-Use Swarm personnel shall summon EMS to respond to the scene as soon as it is safe to do so. Any subject upon whom the taser is used in either probe or drive stun mode shall be examined by EMS personnel, and shall remain under observation by swarm personnel until slated or released. Sworn personnel shall advise EMS personnel as soon as possible if medical distress becomes evident. Sworn personnel shall request EMS personnel to remove any probes that have penetrated the skin or to care for wounds caused by probes that penetrated but fell out. Sworn personnel shall not remove the probes. If the subject is transported to a medical facility, sworn personnel shall ride in the medic unit and remain with the subject until further medical attention has been offered. Sworn personnel shall provide the subject with the Taser Aftercare Form S7112. Sworn personnel shall treat the Taser cartridge wires and probes as evidence and shall secure and submit them to the Property Control Unit for two years. This does not apply to unintentional discharges when no subject is struck or when used against an animal. Probes, if penetrate the skin, should be treated as a biohazard, and proper universal health precautions should be taken when handling and packaging them. Taser data port. Only zone lieutenants, a DTU supervisor, and the IA Bureau supervisors shall access the Taser's USB data port. Taser data port settings shall only be set or adjusted by a DTU supervisor. Each unit assigned to Taser shall maintain a Taser log sheet that includes Tasers assigned to the unit, Taser cartridge, serial numbers assigned to the unit and spent TASER cartridge serial numbers with the date fired, the officer's name and badge number, and the TASER serial number from which it was fired. When the TASER log sheet indicates four cartridges remain assigned to the unit, the first shift supervisor shall obtain replacements through DTU. Completed TASER log sheets shall be forwarded to DTU for retention. All right, so that's the end of Section 4. We'll move on here to Section 5, which is Gas guns and grenades. Introduction Gas guns and grenades are used to deploy projectiles, distraction devices, and chemical irritants that are not designed to be lethal but have the potential to cause injury or death. Chemical irritants in the form of aerosol cancers that are thrown and spray devices worn on the gun belt that are not deployed by the ignition of a primer are excluded from the provisions of this directive. (coughs) Definitions. Beanbag round, also referred to as a flexible baton round, a beanbag round contains a cloth bag filled with silica sand and is fired from a gas gun. It is designed for direct impact on a targeted subject. Flashbang, a non-bursting detonation device that emits light and sound when deployed. Gas gun, a 37 millimeter or 40 millimeter single barrel or rotary style firearm used to deploy projectiles, distraction devices, and chemical irritants. Gas round. Any of a variety of rounds fired from a gas gun that release chemical irritants or projectiles containing chemical irritants. Less lethal weapons and ordnance. This includes gas guns, grenades, beanbag rounds, and multiple baton rounds, which have the potential to cause death, though they are not designed to be lethal. Multiple baton round, A high-velocity round containing wood projectiles fired from a gas gun. It is designed to be skip-fired, ricocheted off a hard surface toward a targeted subject, or to be used as a distraction device deployed deployed through and breaking a window. Operational exceptions may be made in a critical situation in which the use of deadly force is justified. Rubber Ball Blast Grenade a combination irritant and diversion device that delivers three stimuli for psychological and physiological effect light, sound, and chemical irritant. Sponge Round, a plastic body with a foam nose, which is spin stabilized via the incorporated rifling collar in the 40mm launcher's rifle barrel fired from a gas gun. warning signaling munitions, a plastic body which produces 170 decibels of sound. Emits 5 million candelas of light and deflagrates, explodes at a distance of 50 meters, approximately 164 feet, with an OC irritant payload fired from a gas gun. Policy statements. Authorized sworn personnel shall only carry and use those gas guns and grenades that have been approved by the chief of police. The division's use of force policy shall guide the use of gas guns and grenades. Therefore, any discharge of a gas gun or detonation of a grenade, excluding flashbangs and multiple baton rounds used as a a diversion, shall be a level 7 use of force. So, any discharge of a gas gun or detonation of a grenade, excluding flashbangs and multiple baton rounds used as a diversion, shall be a level 7. All right. Only sworn personnel who have satisfactorily completed annual specialty impact and cast munitions training are permitted to possess, deploy, or order the deployment of these munitions in the field. Supervisors, supervisors shall issue the order to use a gas gun or grenade only when reasonable based upon the totality of the circumstances, which should include an evaluation of the need to use the devices weighed against the danger they pose to the suspect or others. Division personnel shall give a verbal warning that the use of a less lethal weapon and or projectile is imminent when practical. Deployment of gas guns or grenades shall be reported as outlined in this policy. The supervisor who ordered the deployment should not complete the investigation, but he or she should be included in the chain of command review on policy compliance. Following a use of force with a gas gun or grenade, if a subject experiences a serious injury or is in medical distress, sworn personnel shall render aid as appropriate and as follows. 1. Notify communications bureau personnel. 2. Summon EMS and ensure that the dispatcher acknowledges the request. And 3. Render medical aid consistent with training and available equipment as soon as it is safe to do so. Uh, Procedures. Use of gas guns and grenades. Zone Lieutenant. Ensure that the zone has at least one gas gun available for use at all times. Determine whether to use a gas gun or grenade immediately or call for SWAT. Issue the order to use the gas gun or grenade. Such an order may be given via electronic or radio communications. SWAT or drug interdiction section lieutenant. Determine when a gas gun or grenade is to be used. Issue the order to deploy the weapon. The order may be given via electronic or radio communications. Designate a low-ranking SWAT or drug interdiction officer to give the order when necessary, except in crowd control situations. Personnel assigned to possess or use a gas gun or grenade. Maintain the gas gun or grenade in good working order. Contact the ordnance unit for any needed maintenance or repair. Use a gas gun or grenade only on the order of a lieutenant, high-ranking personnel, or the swap or drug interdiction, interdiction section lieutenant's designee. Note, sergeants deploying beam backgrounds are not required to obtain prior approval. Do not fire a gas gun or detonate a grenade without the assistance of a cover officer with a firearm. Ordnance Unit, pers- ordnance unit Personnel Resupply personnel with gas guns, grenades, and less lethal ordnance at the direction of a lieutenant or high ranking supervisor. Reporting and investigation of deployment. Investigating personnel. Comply with the addition- uh, comply with the discharged firearms directive and forward a copy of the administrative investigation to the legal advisor when a human subject is struck in serious physical harm as defined in the ORC results or a human subject is struck in death results. Comply with the use of force directive and forward a copy of the administrative investigation to the legal advisor when no human subject is struck and or a human subject is struck and not injured. Uh, Or, if a human subject is struck and the resulting injury does not amount to serious physical harm as defined in the ORC, or a human subject is struck and flees the scene in an unknown condition. IA Bureau. Maintain required records of uses of force. When the involved personnel are ordered by a supervisor to fire a gas gun or detonate a grenade, categorize the incident as an ordered use of force for purposes of the Employee Action Review System. personnel detonating explosive devices that must be logged as required by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives be aware of the reporting requirement for devices such as the Defense Technology Corporation of America distraction device report the use of force as required by the use of force directive complete a distraction device deployment report form U11102 and forward it directly to the first shift ordnance unit First shift ordinance unit. Maintain a log of all explosive devices as required by ATF. All right. All right, we're going to power through here. This is Directive 2, Section 6. Memorandum of Understanding Between the City of Columbus, Division of Police, and Division of Fire. This memorandum of understanding documents the agreement between CPD and CFD for the cooperative efforts to be utilized to address the following circumstances. Involvement of an authorized fire investigator in a use-of-force incident resulting in death or injuries likely to cause death. Involvement of an authorized fire investigator in a firearm discharge. Ancillary issues related to lesser uses of force and arrests made by authorized fire investigators and subsequent transport procedures, future training and qualifications of authorized fire investigators related to uses of force and use of firearms, responsibility of care and costs associated with ammunition and firearms issued to authorized fire investigators. Regarding the response to an authorized fire investigator's use of force resulting in death or injuries likely to cause death during the course of duty, the parties agree to the following. CPD shall make a referral to an independent agency following CPD directives and standard operating procedures. CPD will cause a member of the CPD police officer support team to respond following CPD directives and standard operating procedures. The investigation is a criminal investigation. The completed investigative package will become the basis for the possible criminal review by a grand jury or prosecutor's office and the administrative review process for CFD unless additional administrative investigation is necessary. Should additional administrative investigation slash interviews be required beyond that contained that contained within the be required beyond that contained within the criminal investigation, the responsibility will fall upon CFD supervision for those additional administrative investigation slash interviews. CPD agrees to provide further assistance slash guidance to CFD supervisors conducting any additional administrative investigation. CFD supervisors will assume administrative and investigative responsibility for all uses of force utilized by CFD personnel that do not cause death or a life-threatening injury, levels 0 through 7. At the beginning of each year, and anytime during the year a change occurs, CFD will provide the CPD Training Bureau Commander and Major Crimes Bureau Commander an up-to-date list of fire investigators and or assignments authorized to utilize firearms slash uses of force slash deadly force in the course of duty as approved by the Director of Public Safety. CPD will not be utilized nor be involved in an administrative review for CFD personnel not on that authorized list. <laughs> Upon the completion of a criminal investigation involving an authorized fire investigator, the investigation will be assigned to the CPD firearm slash Police Involved Death Review Board for an administrative recommendation as to whether the involved use of force was within CFD policy. CFD's use of force policy will closely mirror CPD's use of force policy, and standards of administrative review will be the same. CPD Firearms Police Involved Death Review Board will provide a policy finding recommendation letter following CPD directives and standard operating procedures. This findings recommendation letter will be forwarded to CFD along with a copy of the completed investigation. The fire chief will make the final administrative determination regarding whether the action was within policy. The independent agency will maintain, position of, will maintain possession of of any original documents related to the criminal investigation, and CFD will maintain any original documents that are purely administrative in nature. If the involved investigation occurs in a jurisdiction outside that of CPD, the investigation will be forwarded for review to the CPD Firearms-Police-Involved Death Review Board. Any additional administrative investigation will be conducted by CFD. Regarding the response to the death of a person in the custody of an authorized fire investigator, the parties agree to the following cpd shall make a referral to an independent agency following cpd directives and standard operating procedures regarding the response to all other discharges of a firearm by cfd personnel the parties agreed to the following any discharge of a firearm that does not meet the requirement of a referral to the independent agency will be referred to cpd investigative personnel the above referenced administrative protocols do not apply unless a criminal investigation or response by cpd investigative personnel would be appropriate A CFD supervisor will assume administrative and investigative responsibility of all such discharges. Regarding transports for suspects arrested by an authorized fire investigator, the parties agree to the following: CPD will provide the primary method of transport of persons seized by authorized fire investigators. No CPD personnel will be assigned to a prisoner transport until an authorized fire investigative supervisor and a CPD supervisor have reviewed the arrest report and verified probable cause and lawful authority for the arrest. At least one fire investigator will accompany the transporting CPD personnel throughout the duration of the transport process to include transport to a medical facility, processing through the CPD identification section, and acceptance acceptance of the suspect at the appropriate slating facility or release upon summons. Decisions to conduct prisoner guard duty and to assign sufficient CFD personnel for a sick-slash-injured prisoner will rest with CFD. CPD agrees to evaluate the use of CPD personnel for exceptional circumstances on a case-by-case basis. Regarding relevant training and qualifications, the parties agree the following. Both CPD and CFD will identify specific liaison personnel to be responsible for communicating, coordinating, and scheduling CFD training needs slash opportunities. CPD will invite all authorized fire investigators to attend all annual firearm qualification sessions scheduled for CPD sworn personnel. CFD's supervision, CFD fire supervision, will determine which optional training courses slash qualifications offered by the CPD will be attended by the fire investigators. CPD will invite all authorized fire investigators to attend all annual use of force and defensive tactics unit training qualification sessions. Training slash qualification sessions. CPD will invite all authorized fire investigators to attend any additional training provided to CPD personnel relative to use of force, defensive tactics, firearms, or legal updates if applicable. <clears throat> CFD will be responsible for the development of annual training specific to the authority of fire investigators to engage in investigative duties. CFD will assume responsibility for maintenance of training slash qualification records for all CFD personnel. CPD will provide fire investigators any and all documentation needed for training records. However, CPD Training Bureau will also maintain copies of relevant training slash qualification records for CFD personnel. Regarding cost and care of firearms, ammunition, and supplies, the parties agree to the following. All costs associated with the purchase-issuance of weapons, ammunition, and supplies related to fire investigators will be assumed by CFD. CFD will be responsible for maintaining its own ammunition armory. CFD personnel reporting to the CPD Ordnance Unit for firearms training or qualifications will report with sufficient ammunition to complete all possible firing for that date, to include up to three attempted qualifications. The CPD ordinance unit will be the sole location for having repairs or alterations performed upon CFD owned slash issued firearms. CFD will designate personnel responsible for inventorying slash disseminating CFD owned weapons, ammunition, and supplies. CFD will not issue firearms or ammunition other than those approved for use, other than those approved for use by the CPD ordinance unit, the safety director, and fire chief. This is to avoid CFD switching to a weapon or ammunition in the future that the CPD Ordnance Unit is not prepared to deal with or work on. Alright. Got one last uh, section here. It's a training supplement for use of firearms and intermediate weapons against animals. <laughs> Alright. Uh, introduction. Situations occur in which an officer may use a firearm against a dangerous animal. Established law governs an officer's civil and criminal liability for the use of firearms. Officers must utilize legal guidelines, division policy, and good judgment in any decision involving the use of firearms. Nothing in this supplement is intended to create doubt or hesitation in the mind of an officer in a moment when the need for action is critical and there is little time for deliberation. The intent is to provide helpful information to facilitate making sound and wise judgments prioritizing the safety of citizens when evaluating incidents involving confrontation with a threatening animal. General guidelines: avoid surprising a dog, do not lean over a dog, do not use low-pitched tones when speaking. This may be perceived as this may be perceived by a dog as growling. Do not attempt to touch the top of a dog's head or back. Uh, avoid un- avoid unnecessary contact with strange dogs. Do not presume that a dog is either alone or healthy. When approaching a screen door where a dog is inside, press your foot against the door to prevent the dog from pushing it open. When entering homes that have dogs, you may direct the resident to confine the animal, depending on its depending upon its actions. Officers should inquire as to whether the dog is a service slash support animal. try to avoid separating the surface support dog and its handler unless the animal is exhibiting signs of distress, aggression, or is unduly disruptive in your presence and is interfering with your duty. If a dog approaches with an apparent intent to attack, do not run. Running from the dog is the surest way to provoke a chase and subsequent attack. If you cannot make it to a safe place, stand still. If possible, take very slow, deliberate steps toward the safety of a vehicle or dwelling. If a dog attacks you and for some reason you cannot use your chemical spray or your weapon, try to place anything available between you and the dog's mouth. Many times, something as simple as a clipboard or a flashlight can prevent a bite. If you receive information about an uncontrolled dog, notify Animal Control. If the owner can be located, order him or her to confine the animal on their own property. When appropriate, issue a summons for an on-view offense under Columbus City Code 2327.11, A or B. Advise any person bitten by a dog running loose to seek medical attention and to notify one of the following, Franklin County Department of Animal Care and Control, the Fairfield County Dog Shelter, or the Delaware County Dog Shelter. If a bite occurs by a dog confined upon the premises of the owner, contact the Columbus Health Department. So a person bitten by a dog running loose, direct them to seek medical attention and tell them to notify animal control. And if a bite occurs by a dog confined upon the premises of the owner, contact the Columbus Health Department. All right. Use of chemical spray against animals. The division issued OC repellent chemical spray can be effective if sprayed directly in a dangerous animal's eyes and nose from a distance of no more than 12 feet. Using chemical spray in this way is safe and humane and can prevent the need for a greater level of force. Use of taser against animals. The division-issued taser can be an effective tool to incapacitate a dangerous animal. The taser can be deployed up to 25 feet. However, the probe spread at this distance will be over 3 feet, minimi- minimizing the possibility of an effective deployment. Um, the taser probe spread 1 foot per every 7 feet of distance. A close deployment with the taser, canted to the animal's body length, will increase the probability of an effective taser strike. The taser drive stun mode should not be used against an animal. The drive stun is a pain compliance technique and does not incapacitate. Therefore, the chance of getting bit while applying a drive stun is extremely high. Personnel personnel must remember the animal will fully recover after the first 5 second cycle ends. Personnel may have to use extended cycles, keeping the trigger pulled back to safely move away and control a dangerous animal until animal control or dog shelter personnel arrive on scene. Uh, Unlike with a firearm, the taser can be used to prevent or disrupt the attack on another animal. Okay, that's good. Pets are deemed property, and a taser may be used to protect property. After deploying a taser on an animal, personnel should immediately notify their immediate supervisor. The use of force report form used in 128 does not need to be filled out for use of TASER on an animal. A brief letter of information should be completed by the responding supervisor to include the TASER serial number and the TASER cartridge number. The effectiveness, time, date, and location, and owner information. Use of firearm against animals. Swarm personnel being threatened or attacked by a dangerous animal should attempt to use trained techniques and or intermediate weapons before using firearm to protect themselves or another person. If these attempts fail to halt the animal's attack and when left with no alternative other than to use a firearm, swarm personnel should determine whether the backstop is able to control and contain any projectiles that may not find their intended mark or that may ricochet. Consider the presence of individuals and their actions relative to the proximity of the dangerous animal. Grassy and or dirt areas are the preferred location for a backstop. Swarm personnel shall not fire or deploy a weapon at a dangerous animal unless the animal poses an imminent threat to personnel or others. Use of the weapon is reasonable and the risk to human life is minimized. An imminent threat to personnel or others. When determining whether to use a firearm against a dangerous animal, sworn personnel should take into account the fact that a moving animal is an extremely difficult target to hit. Sworn personnel shall not use a firearm to prevent or disrupt an animal attacking another animal. Pets are are deemed to be property, and a firearm is not to be used to protect property. Sworn personnel who determine a firearm is the only means to defend themselves or others from serious physical harm or death by an attacking dangerous animal should... Fire only when the animal is an imminent threat. Ensure there are no bystanders in the line of fire or that could move into the line of fire, and ensure the backstop is reasonably likely to, is reasonably likely to contain or stop the discharged bullet. Sworn personnel who determine that the use of a firearm is necessary to prevent an attack by a dangerous or vicious animal should make every effort to aim for center mass. Humane destruction of an animal. Swarm personnel should not fire or deploy a weapon to kill a diseased or injured animal unless its destruction is reasonable and humane. And humane. If the use of a firearm is necessary for the destruction of a seriously injured animal, the most effective and humane method is a shot to the heart lung area just behind the front shoulder of the animal. The head of the animal is not the preferred location to shoot. The brain is very small and easy to miss. Uh, Even with the correct shot placement on the animal, it may not immediately expire. Continue to maintain vigilance until the animal has expired. Universal health precautions shall be taken. The preferred firearm is the the division issued shotgun using a deer slug. Buckshot may be used if appropriate and the distance is within 21 feet from the officer to the animal. All right. That's it. We got through directive two.